The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. God bless you, Ecclesia. I wanna take a moment to pray for you. I am in a river along a road near the Venezuela-Colombia border. And uh, this is a road where about 1.8 million migrants that have left Venezuela to stay in Colombia have walked down this road. And before I share with you some stories, I'm gonna invite you into the scriptures today and not just into the history of the scriptures. Uh, but into the story of how we live out God's calling for us. I'm gonna say a prayer and I'm gonna ask today for a bit of a miracle. I've seen some miracles this week and so it's given me the faith to ask for a miracle for you. And so Lord God, I pray today that you would bless my brothers and sisters. I pray today for the brothers and sisters that are all around me, many of them Venezuelan. Um, they're struggling. They're on a journey that we can hardly imagine. Uh, they're invited to go into an unknown uh, that is difficult and dark and dangerous. And in that place, God, we pray that you would help us know what it looks like for us to lean into their story. God, I ask today for a miracle that in the same way that we feel separate from other people, even the people on our road that are at church with us today, we see ourselves as individuals different from them. And we often struggle to really truly see them and empathize with them. God, I ask today that through a work of your spirit, you would make us one, one with the people, not just on our row and in our church, but all across the globe. I pray today that as we hear the story of Venezuelan brothers and sisters, that we would feel so profoundly connected to them, that we would see our own children, we'd see our own mothers and fathers, that we'd see ourselves, and that you'd call us into a response that would be beautiful and true and uniquely Christian. We pray all of this together, and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. Well, God bless you, Ecclesia. Oftentimes, as I stand at a place and I get to share with you, my first question for you and for me is, how did we get here, right? How did I end up in this place? I'm standing in a river that uh, winds around a road that's a really pretty impossible road, even if you're driving on, much less if you're walking. And I'll tell you more about that walk for many people. How did we get here? How did I end up close to the Venezuelan border? How have I ended up spending so much time and energy and our church spending so much of our resources and our people and our time to care for Venezuelans? Well, like almost everything, it starts with relationship for us. I've been telling you for years as we saw the crisis in Venezuela, we're praying for Venezuela and we're praying for a way to respond, but because it's dangerous for us to go to Venezuela, we don't have a way to respond. And like everything in relationships, I was preaching at our sister church, Barrera, in Mexico City. And I encouraged them to pray for Venezuela and they agreed and they said, we could maybe do more than pray. One of our church members, Diego, he's down at the border now. I've been telling you that if God gave us an opportunity to help people in Venezuela, that we would do it. And so weeks later, we were on a plane to come meet Diego. And God led us to even more relationships. And he introduced us to Pastor Mauricio and his wife, Isabelina. And they're an amazing church. They're a church that had very few resources, just heart, passion. And they, they took it and they just said, hey, we're going to rent a building we can't afford right at the border to start to serve people. And we're going to hope somebody will come along and help us pay for the building. And Ecclesia, I'm going to tell you more about what you've done to pay for that building, to renovate that building and make it one of the most remarkable ministry centers I've ever seen in my life. 
we began relationships with people you'll hear about today, like Alexandria and Jorge Alberto, and so many remarkable people. And it's led us to more and more relationships. So how did we get here this time? Well, we planned a trip to follow up, but I gotta tell you the story. Because uh, in recent weeks, I invited you to bring supplies. I invited you to bring supplies because on this particular trip, we'd planned to fly on United and get here in a typical way. And we had an Ecclesian who said, it sounds like you need more supplies than you can get on a United flight in the bags that you can check. Even if you got status, you can only check three 70 pound bags. He said, how about I work out an arrangement for a plane? And he did. It was awesome. We loaded up, Ecclesia, in just a couple of days, you brought us literally, it's about three plane loads. We're still working on ways to get all the rest of it here. You wouldn't believe the excitement we got to share with people the supplies that you offered to them as a gift in the name of Jesus. It's been beautiful. The only problem was, as we got ready to, uh, to plan that trip, We'd get pilots, they'd sign up, they're ready to go, let's go. And then they'd look up Cucuta. Well, I don't know if you've looked up Cucuta or Norte de Santander, that's the region we're in um, near the Venezuela border. But when they looked it up, they said the State Department isn't so excited about that area. In fact, they give it a level four in the region, which is uh, do not travel. Um, now, again, there were some do not travel regions in Jesus' day, and you remember what he did, right? Those are the places he went to. In fact, if we wanted to lay out Ecclesia's mission strategy, you know what we should probably do? Is look and see where's the State Department, give us a level four do not travel. That's probably the places we ought to go. And in fact, historically it has, Kurdistan, places like this. And so I gotta tell you Ecclesia, we were so excited to go and every pilot we got on board, as soon as they looked it up, you know what they did? They backed out. I've been discouraged plenty of times as a pastor, trust me, it's not easy. But when you brought multiple plane loads worth of supplies and we had a plane ready to go and we couldn't find anybody that was willing and had the guts to fly into this area, and I get it, it's not easy, but I'm telling you, I was frustrated. And I gathered with my friend James, we were gathering for dinner, we were getting ready for a beautiful event at Ecclesia on race and reconciliation and forgiveness. And I said, before we talk anything about that event, we just gotta pray. We gotta pray for a pilot because we need a pilot that will go there. But most people just, all they can read on the internet tells them, it's not where they should go. So we prayed and we sat down in Chinatown over some really good noodles. I mean, really good noodles for really cheap. And uh, I pray really good prayers in those places. And I'll tell you, Ecclesia, after we prayed, 30 seconds later, I got a message from Brian Booth, an Ecclesian who shared my Facebook message uh, saying we needed a pilot. And he said, call this guy. He might be willing to do it. He pilots that plane. And I called him and he was a Christian. I thought we got a shot here, but even Christians were backing out on us. And I said to him, hey, we've had a lot of people that say they'll go, but then they're not willing to go to Cucuta because apparently the State Department's not really high on it. And so I don't know if you might be willing. I know you're a Christian. And our friend Javi, Javier, I'd gotten to know him, he's Argentine. He said, Cucuta, that's no problem for me. My wife is from Cucuta, that's her hometown. My in-laws live in Cucuta. I can't wait to go to Cucuta with you. Now I gotta tell you, Ecclesia, most of you and I could survey a thousand people. Most people don't even know where Cucuta is. They don't even know if it's a city. They don't even know if it's got an airport. Of all the pilots in the world that I get their phone number, can you imagine why I would get the phone number of a pilot whose wife is from Cucuta? Because God wanted you to be a part of something beautiful and he wanted to get these supplies here. And I can't wait to tell you more stories about it. What we do know though, is that our church, we went into to 2019 with only prayers for Venezuela. And now, We've been serving here over the last year and there's so much more to do. What I wanna share with you today applies not only to Venezuelans, but to you and to me. 
If you go through a hard time, what's the main thing you want God to bring you? Have you thought of this? Like you're in a really hard time. Well, the first thing is that it wouldn't be a hard time, right? That it would be easy. But let's assume that's not possible, that you're going to go through a hard time. What do you want as you go through a hard time? For me, and what I've learned for our Venezuelan brothers and sisters, it's exactly the same, is that we just want God to be with us in the hard time. We want to have this sense that we're not alone, right? That's why in Romans 8.31, it reminds us that if God is for us, right, who could be against us? And what our Venezuelan brothers and sisters have been desiring is that God would be with them no matter what. They're on an exodus, literally. They're leaving a place of profound oppression. It's as desperate and dark as we can imagine for the children of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt. Uh, people are starving. Uh, there is very little hope. We're hearing stories of people that have businesses and they were thriving and the government's taking everything from them. They can't afford to buy food or medicine for their kids. Doctors are leaving, hospitals are closing. It's desperate. And so what they're doing is they're going on a journey and this is what amazes me, and I, I wish every one of you could be here to see it. They're going on a journey to a place they don't know, a lot like the children of Israel. And they got no idea how they're going to get there. They literally, uh, like our friend Pastor Mauricio, they just step out in faith before they know how God will provide. It's like stepping into the sea and hoping God's going to part it, and then he does. I just see it over and over, and I got to tell you, your faith will be so much stronger if you hear the stories in this message. You really let them sink in because they are beautiful. And what God's people wanted, if they were going to take a journey with God, if they were going to make an exit and believe that there's a promised land out there somewhere, all they really wanted was for God to be with them. In fact, I want to read to you from Exodus 33. And in Exodus 33, I'm going to start around verse 14. This is what God says. God says to his people, they're going, how can we do this? This feels so hard. And God says, my presence will travel with you and I will give you rest. That's what I've been hearing over and over from our Venezuelan brothers and sisters. We came up on the road with a family. They're just sleeping out in the middle of the road. You ask them, how are you doing? They just said, we're really tired. They're walking up these mountains. Many of them are coming to this river. It's one of the reasons I'm standing in it. We're trying to get away from the road because there's so many cars going by, but people are coming to this river to drink. And I'm grateful, Ecclesia, that of the many things you're doing here, that you've been able to find a station, a set of tents where medical care is happening, where uh, people are getting their feet washed, they're being cared for. We gave a lot of gifts today. You funded a bathroom uh, where people can go and use a safe bathroom. It's a beautiful gift. And Moses says, he says, says to God, if your presence doesn't travel with me, then don't lead us away from here. How will the people know that I've gained your trust and blessing if you don't travel with us? Isn't it the very fact that your presence travels with us that distinguishes us from every other people on earth? And I got to tell you, the Venezuelan people are asking the same thing. Now, you remember the story in the Exodus. God said, I'm going to let you know I'm with you. Now, this was a different day before Christ. And God said, I need a tangible way to let you know I'm with you. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this cloud and it's going to be a pillar of fire at night. And it's going to say to you that I'm with you. And so when you get scared, when you get hungry, when you get thirsty, and they did, remember, they'd run out of food. God would rain down food. They'd run out of water. Moses would hit his staff and water would come forth. But it didn't provide instantly. They had to have a lot of faith. And God said, what you're going to do is you're going to look and you're going to remember that I'm with you. Now, this is what I want to ask you to consider today, Ecclesia. How will our Venezuelan brothers and sisters know that God's with them? Is he going to provide a pillar of fire? cloud? My suggestion to you is that because we live in a day that Christ has come through his spirit to dwell within us, the way that God dwells with us is to send 
our brothers and sisters to be with us and to say what we say often here, Dios te bendiga, God be with you. God go with you. And it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do something about it. And so, Ecclesia, you wouldn't believe, since we found out that we had an opportunity to be here, we didn't have money planned in the budget, we just started working, we started fundraising, and we've already, we've got many more commitments going forward this year, and there are some of them are gonna be faith commitments. We're just gonna step out and say, God, we need you to provide for all of these. We've been able to provide over $135,000 worth of direct resources. Now that'd be supplies, that's renovating the church building. We built out a kitchen. We're employing five people in that kitchen. They're feeding 700 people every week. We're providing five jobs in those people every week, 700 people. Now we've done a few of these days like we did this week and we, we got great bands and music and we hired the best cooks you can imagine from one of the best restaurants in Colombia, and they made 4,300 hamburgers and cupcakes and soda and so many gifts. And I gotta tell you, I don't know about you, Ecclesia, but if I go through a difficult time, anybody here that you've, uh, you've moved homes recently, you gotta pack everything up in boxes, I'm telling you, if you and your wife, your spouse, your kids, you're not on the same page, people get grumpy, right? They, they call it one of the top 10 stressors to move, financial trouble, there's a bunch of these medical troubles. Can you imagine moving, not being able to take your things, not having resources to make the trip, not knowing where you're moving to? Now, I don't know about you, but I think about being in that position and my stress level just went up and up and up. And I gotta tell you, our Venezuelan brothers and sisters, they gathered in lines with just hearts filled with joy. They had to wait, you know, sometimes a couple hours to get one hamburger, but they were so thrilled to get that burger. We had Ecclesians here serving them, I'm telling you, beautiful smiles and greetings and prayers. And we just, we got to go out on the bridge. We ran out of food at the end of the day. We just bought as many cakes as we could the church had. We just got to go out and share pieces of cake with kids and just remind them, Dios te bendiga, God is with you, God be with you. We're with you and we're here to remind you of God's presence. And Ecclesia, this is what we're called to do. Right? There's this beautiful passage at the beginning of John 13. And Jesus says, right? Jesus, knowing that he had come from God and was going away to God, he stood up at dinner and he removed his outer garments. And he then wrapped himself in a towel and he poured water in a basin and he began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his towel. And Jesus said, I'm gonna show you what love looks like. Ecclesia, I'm so proud that we've had groups. We've got here people today right now and they're just washing the feet of Venezuelan people. They're washing their feet. Most of us have just taken off our own shoes. We're giving our shoes to people because they need shoes to go the rest of the distance. You gathered a lot of shoes and we're sharing those. Giving new socks. We're praying a prayer. If you think you don't love Venezuela, I gotta ask you, do you love Jose Altuve? I do. We've got a great quote from Altuve. He says, I literally love Justin Verlander, and people commonly say, I literally love Jose Altuve, and I love Altuve, and I know you do too, and he's, uh, he's a, a huge figure in Venezuela because they love baseball, and the Astros, they gave us, you wouldn't believe, we got so many of these jerseys from Venezuela, it's got the Venezuelan flag on it, we've given away hundreds of these, uh, kids get so excited, they gave us backpacks that have socks and a hat for Venezuelan kids, and I'm telling you, you see a kid get one of those, it's the best gift they got ever, they even gave us 300 World Series rings. So we're sending a bunch of them to pastors in Venezuela because most kids in Venezuela won't get a Christmas gift, but this year they're gonna get a World Series ring, the same one, not the same diamonds, but similar to the one Jose Altuve got, and they're gonna have a gift at Christmas. Ecclesia, I'm so proud to be a part of this community. And what I wanna tell you is that um, as we lean into this next year, the end of 2019 and 2020, 
I hope and pray there's more things that we do here and in other places that none of us would have ever guessed. I'm gonna ask you to give because as we give our resources, as we become a part of one big church, we've got more opportunities to make an impact here than I could even begin to describe to you. The 135,000 we've invested so far, we could quadruple that, we could make even more impact. We feed more people, share with more people, love more people. And I, I just gotta tell you, I've encountered the most Christ-like people. They're hungry, they're scared, and you know what? They've been patient and Christ-like and kind and loving. I wanna invite you today to consider some ways that we can lean into God's surprises. There's some for you at home and there's some for you here. Some of you may not want to travel to a level four area. I gotta tell you, I'm so proud of the Ecclesians that have come here and they've been washing feet and they've been serving hamburgers. That's not for everybody, but together every gift we give, it allows us to buy those hamburgers and to bless. I'm telling you, Pastor Maurizio, his wife Isabelina, they are full brothers and sisters with us. We wanna care well for them and they're exhausted and tired because they've been caring for so many in need. So Ecclesia, I wanna introduce you to one of my hero pastors. Pastor Maurizio stepped out and rented a building he couldn't afford. Can you imagine signing a lease and not having the money to pay it? And you know what God did? God sent us and he prompted us. He just spoke, whispered in my ear and said, ask Maurizio about this. And he says, yeah, we rented it, we don't have the money. And Ecclesia, you provided together. We're covering the rent. We've renovated this building and they are doing amazing ministry. I want you to hear firsthand from Mauricio. And as you hear from him, I want you to ask yourself, what does it look like for me to pray for La Frontera Church, for Mauricio and Isabelina? And what are the ways that I should be involved? You're going to love him as much as I love him. Nos trajo al sector de la parada un punto muy estratégico para poder servir en amor a una nación tan maravillosa como es la nación de Venezuela. Creo que no hay diferencia de que ellos sean de Venezuela o de Colombia. Eh, sé que son hijos de Dios. Como que cada vez que los veo siento esa compasión, ese amor, esa necesidad de ayudarlos, eh, de, de hablarles, de aconsejarlos, de darles un abrazo. Todo el tiempo quiero darles un abrazo, todo el tiempo, a pesar de, de cómo vengan. Eh, cuando me siento muy cargada voy a Dios. Voy a Dios, oro a Él para que Él me dé nuevas fuerzas para seguir adelante porque es una constante de todos los días, de ver su necesidad, de no renunciar tampoco a lo que estamos haciendo. Dios eh, nos habla del edificio. Nosotros en fe creímos por este edificio. Este edificio ha servido para que el amor de Dios les haga venir nuevamente a tener sentido en sus vidas. Ha sido una experiencia apasionada. Ellos también se involucran para ayudarse entre ellos mismos dentro del edificio y acá volvieron a ser familia. Le damos gracias a Dios por este privilegio. No nos ha dejado solos el Señor. Amigos maravillosos han estado acá ayudándonos todo el tiempo. Como familia, a mi esposa y a mis dos hijos, todo el tiempo nos han estado animando de que continuemos. Cosas que hemos podido hacer este año que me llenan a mí, que me han llenado mucho, este, ver a los niños como han llegado desnutridos, muy delgaditos, y ver cómo están subiendo de peso. Ellos vienen y se alimentan, toman su tetero, su biberón. Eh, lógicamente se les atienda con mucho amor, pero ellos están subiendo de peso, estamos viendo el cambio en los niños. 
eh, nuestras vidas han cambiado y nuestros corazones han sido probados, nuestros principios han sido probados, nuestra fe ha sido probada, pero el Señor ha sido glorificado y le damos gracias a Dios por eso. Ecclesia, I know you love La Frontera Church. I hope someday you get to worship here, but now you know, Maurizio and Isabelina, they're your brother and sister, they're leading beautifully. One of the first introductions they made for me was to a beloved sister, Alexandria. I met her while we were doing medical clinic and I watched she was serving. She had been in an accident and her leg was fractured so many times, it was shattered to the point that there was really no ability to fully reconstruct it, but the doctors in Venezuela did their best. And what happened was with all the pins in her legs, uh, her leg became infected and no one here was able to deal with this kind of infection. The answer was really clear. They needed to get her to a place with better medical care. You may remember, I told you the story. We thought we had her a flight, but the truth was because the Venezuelan government was shut down, she didn't have a passport and ID. She did what many people did. She went and tried to get one forged for her. It didn't work. She was really ashamed. She came to us so ashamed. And we said to her, Alexandria, you're, you're so close to losing your leg. Every Ecclesian would do the same thing. We'd do anything. She's got kids. She wants to be able to chase them and love them and carry them and serve them. And I'm telling you, Alexandria is a beautiful, remarkable, loving, strong woman. We kept praying. And you know what? Her whole church prayed and God provided a miracle. We got Alexandria a passport. And you know what else we got to do? We put her on a plane. We got to put her in business class because her leg didn't fit in coach. You think you don't fit in coach. Imagine trying to fit in coach with all of this structure on your leg. We got her in business class. We flew her to Buenos Aires. And in Buenos Aires, our dear brother, Pastor Marcelo Robles and his church took her in. They took care of her. They brought her to get medical care. We've been able to pay for it. Uh, we've been able to uh, provide for her food and financial needs. And over a number of surgeries and treatments and uh, about two months worth of uh, IV antibiotics, that infection has been defeated. And it is clear now, more than 27 doctors collaborated on her treatment. It was that difficult. They worked together and Alexandria's leg has been saved. She's now back here in Venezuela and she's caring for her family. At some point in the near future, we're going to send her back to Argentina. She's going to need a knee replacement so she can fully walk. But you can see she's strong. She's capable. She's amazing. I want you to hear from her because uh, you're a part of her story and she will never forget you. Bueno, para la gloria de Dios, pude viajar a Argentina. Allá fui recibida por el pastor Marcelo Robles. Eh, una bendición la congregación que me recibió allá. Llegar, salir de, de acá, salir de mi país primeramente, llegar aquí, de aquí. El Señor me llevó a Argentina, donde no conocía a nadie, no sabían quién me iba a recibir, no sabía nada. Y me fui confiando en Dios. Me fui creyendo en esa promesa que el Señor me había dado de sanidad. Salía el hueso muy deteriorado por dentro. Y ellos abrieron y resulta ser que la infección era más benigna que maligna. El hueso no estaba tan deteriorado. O sea, fue totalmente un milagro de Dios. Eh, el que yo, el que mi pierna no, no, no tuviera que haber sido amputada o no tuvieran que haber puesto nada adentro. Eh, muy agradecida, primeramente con el Señor, porque eso nada más lo puede hacer Él. Siempre tenemos esa espera, esa expectativa, ¿no? esa esperanza en Dios. Pero nunca imaginé que, que el Señor iba a hacer tanto, que me iba a poner tantas personas hermosas como usted, Pastor 
Ramón, como el pastor Cris, como el pastor Marcelo, como Cecilia, que fue una hermana en Cristo, ya que me recibió con tanto amor en su casa. Fue una conexión, fue algo, me abrió las puertas de su hogar, con su familia, y el proceso ha sido largo, pero ahorita entiendo el propósito de Dios, pero ahorita más, entre más fortaleza me da el Señor, más quiero, más quiero estar trabajando en su obra y totalmente metida con Él. O sea, estoy ahorita muy centrada en el Señor, no por, por lo que Él ha hecho, sino quiero de ese amor que me, que me han dado y ese amor que he recibido, quiero darlo también, ¿sí? Quiero, quiero, quiero que la gente vea reflejado ese milagro que Dios hizo y dar testimonio de que el Señor cumple y que el Señor es bueno y que para Él no nada es imposible. So Ecclesia, I'm guessing of the resources that you've given to Ecclesia, that our offerings go together to do things like this, I'm guessing most of you could join with me and go, I'll never regret being a part of helping Alexandria save her leg and bless her life. Um, she's going to be a gift to a lot of people. And this is what I need you to know, I long for you to know. There are thousands of other opportunities to do just the same. We've met more people on our trip in need. I want to be a part of that. I want you to be a part of it. We're gonna share with you some specific opportunities now. And I wanna ask you as 2019 begins to wind to an end, that all of us would be open to wherever God would lead us at the end of this year and into 2020. I'm grateful that we're on an adventure. Just like our Venezuelan brothers and sisters, we don't know where it's going to take us. I know that we come to it in a place of comfort and strength and stability and that God gave us that comfort, that strength, that stability so that we could share with others. It's the way of Jesus. It's a great way to live. And I'm grateful that we get to share Houston Astros jerseys and hamburgers and medical care and so many other blessings with those that Jesus loves. As we contemplate some specific actions, will you join with us now and then we'll prepare to celebrate communion together. Maybe you've had a pretty good hug at some point in your life. Um, but when I got a hug from, I think I have a photo from Alexandria. Um, that's the kind of hug that um, it communicated more than I could ever imagine. To know what it feels like to take just some typical Ecclesians on a trip who together we spent our day uh, washing the feet of people that had been walking. They'd been walking for so long. Um, I leaned down to a little boy I'm gonna tell you more about, baby Moises. When you meet a Moses who's leaving Venezuela, right? You gotta pay attention. And I, I leaned down to do what you do with little boys, right? You'd say the same thing here. I'm just, su fuerte, Moises, su fuerte, you're strong, right? His dad leaned into me in just a very firm way. And said, yes, yes, he's strong. He walks every day. He walks every day. See, Moises had walked from Caracas. Every day he'd been walking for months. And to be with Ecclesians who, as we wash the feet of people, we just uh, realize like, we can't put these shoes back on them, right? And we brought some shoes from you, but we quickly ran out of shoes. And uh, I got to board a plane and fly all the way back to Hobby and go through immigration with a bunch of barefoot Ecclesians. I don't know if you've ever been in immigration looking around and seeing a bunch of Americans 
fly in barefoot, but I'll tell you, it's a pretty cool experience. And I didn't mind a bit telling the immigration officers why my friends from my church didn't have any shoes. Um, because they couldn't go home with those shoes when they knew that their Venezuelan friends were going to be walking. I love being a part of a church like that. Let me tell you specifically some things that are happening at the border that may help you understand. Uh, there are three groups of people uh, that we meet at the border uh, of Venezuelan people. Uh, one group is a group of people that are leaving Venezuela for the day. Um, they will go to get supplies because literally, if you need toilet paper, you can't find it. Stores have closed. The economy has shut down. Very basic things, food, cooking supplies, oil, all the things that you would need. Uh, many people have, have no ability to get them, so they'll figure out what they can. They'll rally what they can. They'll come to Columbia to try to do some work. You can imagine when people are desperate, there are desperate and difficult things that are happening there at the border. And people are coming to get whatever they can. As you could see, they're loading as much as they can. Could you believe the amount of equipment you saw piled on people's backs? And those, I mean, they just, uh, one of them I tried to say, well, let me try to see if I could carry it. It was embarrassing, right, for just a few feet. And this brother was going all the way to Caracas. I couldn't, I couldn't even fathom. So there's one group of people, they'll come over, they'll try to get what they can, and they'll bring it back to their family to try to care for them. Many of them are telling stories of my parents, my grandparents, they're too elderly, I couldn't even begin to travel with them, we don't have any choice, we can't leave because I can't leave them behind. And many of us can imagine what that would feel like. There's another group of people that they've come to Cucuta right at the border uh, because there are resources, supplies that get into Cucuta. And so what they've decided to do is just to live there. And so there are tens of thousands of people living in what used to be refugee camps. Many of those are getting shut down. And what's happening now is people are just living on the streets. So when you walk the streets at night, you just see people sleeping as far as you can. There are places where they can pay a very small amount, they can get into a building. And in a room like this, what you would have is um, maybe one bathroom, maybe, but you just have people sleeping on every part of the concrete that would fill the building. And there are buildings like that all over that area. And those people are just there hoping to get by with whatever supplies that they can get. And then there are many, many more, a third group of people that are crossing the border and they are going out into the unknown. They don't know where that is. Most of them are headed first to Bogota and they've heard stories that things are great in Bogota and they can get work and we'll tell you more about that, but that's not no longer true. 1.8 million Venezuelans have overwhelmed Colombia and many other Latin American countries, but especially Colombia, and uh, it's been difficult. So given that, and given the fact that I love being a part of a church that doesn't sit around, you just got to know, for most churches, this is what happens. You learn about a need like this, and you say, you know what? In six months, we're going to be looking at our budging process for the next year, and then we'll talk about it and think about it. And I just love being a part of a church that just says, let's pull together what we can right now. And in a year that we didn't budget for it, we had 135000 It's going to be much more by the time the year's over. And together, we're going to do much, much more because I believe together we're capable of doing much, much more. So let me tell you about what some of the new needs are. But what, one of the great things about uh, returning is that you learn so much more. And 
that, you know, apparently I stand out at the border a bit. And, um, and so many Venezuelans, many Colombians that are living there are coming back and they're just saying, I can't believe you came back. I can't believe that you would ever come, but that you would come back. And as I look around, there aren't other people that look like us. There are not many North Americans there. And so it's, the, the need is so great. But what happens when we start coming back and we're building relationships is we're learning about new needs. So one of the things that we learned on this trip, that for many, many months and years now, people have been leaving, going to Bogota, believing it's the promised land. They get to Bogota, they learn it's not the promised land. And many are now turning around. Can you imagine from the border to Bogota, it's a 30-day walk. So that little family you saw sleeping on the side of the road, they're at the beginning of a 30-day journey. What most of them don't know, and we just learned now from the people that are now walking back from Bogota, our tent that was receiving people is now starting to receive people going both ways. Most going to Bogota, but some coming back because they found it to be hopeless. And what they're telling us is that as you walk that 30-day trek, walking eight hours a day, you will get to a place as you approach Bogota that you're going up this mountain. The altitude climbs so quickly. The, the temperature at the border is about 90 degrees. And what happens is once you get up into the mountains, it will be as, as low as 20 degrees. And so kids are dying uh, because they're the most vulnerable and they don't have, you, you, you can't carry jackets for you to be ready. There's no REI there. Right? There's no place to show up and just get what you need. And so what we're doing right now is working with our friends there to find our local church partners. And over the next couple of weeks, you're gonna hear whether we're gonna buy the coats there and blankets there, or whether we're gonna bring them here and we're gonna get them there. Um, we don't know yet, but we gotta tell you that now that we're aware of this, this is something that we need to do together. And uh, we're going to respond. Uh, one of the things that really has deeply touched me that I've learned uh, over recent weeks, and maybe it's because in Houston, how many of you, um, either you're, you've got Mexican friends or family, you're Mexican, or you grew up with Mexican friends or family? How many of you in Houston? You got, and, and when you went over around Christmas time, what did they serve you to eat that was so amazing? Tamales, tamales right? And uh, I remember being in second grade, I'd never had tamales before, and my friend David across the street, they started, you know, they tricked me into eating manudo. I was so young, I ate so many things, right? But they served me those tamales, and I remember going, I might be Mexican. I think, I feel Mexican. I really think I'm Mexican. I was made to eat these, right? And you know what I've learned is that in Venezuela, it's the same. Like, can you imagine, like, in the families that you know, like, to, for it to be Christmas and to have no tamales? Like, it wouldn't feel like it's Christmas, right? Now, we got friends and family there that's like, a tamale would literally be, uh, even if you had a good paying job in Venezuela right now, one tamale would be a full week's wage. One tamale. So here's the cool thing. We've already built out a kitchen um, there. We've been serving people. We're working on a plan to see, hey, can we hire more people? And maybe they can make tamales that we could send back into Venezuela. Anybody else think that's a good idea? Because to me, it just seems like a no-brainer, like a tamale ministry for Ecclesia. So I'm already on like a one million tamale campaign. Like I'm like, how, how, what would it take to get a million tamales made? Because that just feels like something 
we should do. I, I don't know what that looks like yet, but to bring a little Christmas joy and nutrition that's desperately needed from people uh, that are malnourished, I think tamales would make a lot of sense. There are gonna be some new things going. Secondly, we just have existing programs. The tent that you saw, we buy the groceries there. Uh, we provide uh, for things for the people that stay there. Uh, the kitchen there where we employ five people that are cooking and feeding people every day, not only are they feeding people, uh, 700 people that could come in for a meal that we do six days a week. Um, but we're giving jobs to some people that wouldn't have jobs otherwise. We're paying for the rent on that building, and we want to continue to do that until there's not a need anymore. We're, we're caring for Pastor Mauricio and Isabelina because what they do is really important. We've been able to buy three vehicles so far, two big vehicles that move people, and if it drives them literally uh, for one hour, it saves those people eight hours of walking. And uh, we think those vehicles are really a tremendous gift. One of those gifts is to Pastor Maurizio. In fact, when I was there, he kept trying to tell me, no, 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 we need to buy another van so it can haul more people. And I'm saying, Maurizio, you don't have a way to get around to the places you need to go. We want you to get a family vehicle for your family. We want to bless your family. And his wife, Isabelina, she just started to weep at the table, right? Because these people that are caring for other people, they don't know what it's like to have people that want to care for them. And we're doing some things that might seem insignificant to you, but I promise you they're important. Like we're, we're buying Mauricio's family a gym membership. You know why? Because I'm worried about him. Because he's serving every day and he needs to just go exercise and deal with his stress and do some self-care. And so we're gonna do that. You know what else we got to do when we were there? We realized like they're, they're, they're struggling in their life and their marriage because there's just so much there. And so instantly we made a plan to take them. I just got back yesterday from Argentina and we had them go with us to Argentina with other pastors so we could pray together, we could take care of each other, we could make a plan for the next year for sustainability and we're really building into what I would call our Latin American network. You guys realize that Houston's in Latin America, right? I mean, we're in Houston, Texas, but I mean, we were in Mexico for a while and Texaco and who knows what else we, but I'm just telling you, from the number of taquerias in my neighborhood, we're Latin America for sure. Like, and so if we're a leading church in Latin America, which I would suggest to you that we are, then we have a lot of responsibility in Latin America. We got a lot of friends in Latin America and there's so much that we wanna do. I wanna tell you about um, a family that we fell in love with and then we'll, uh, lead to communion. One of the things we get to do, again, part of our journey here is like we, we can't care for millions, but the people that we meet that we can care for, we're, we're just going to do everything we can. Uh, we met a beautiful family, uh, Alexandra and Alexandria. Um, this is them in a hotel room. Uh, you've been, Ecclesia, you've been covering a hotel room for them in Bogota. Uh, that's little baby Moises and uh, little baby Aaron. And... Uh, Alexander uh, ran, Moises is the one whose dad told me, right? He is, he is strong. He walks every day. And you can see little Moises, he's a strong, tough kid who already had a baseball shirt on before we even gave, you can, when he got the Astros gear, he was just so fired up. <laughs> that kid is like, they're just, like they start talking baseball to him in the womb in Venezuela. They just, they love it. They've, they've gotten to Bogota and things aren't, their opportunities just aren't great there. And we're working on an opportunity to fly them someplace else in Latin America where we can set them up with an apartment and give Alexander a chance 
to get a job and provide for his family. And um, we feel like these opportunities are the things that we're uh, together made to do. I, I want to let you know that um, like other things that we do at Ecclesia, what we want to do is share with you in as much specifics and detail we can the things that God's called us to do and how we get to do it together. So if you go to our website, ecclesiahouston.org, and just go to slash Venezuela, there's a beautiful report that will detail every dollar that we've spent and how we're spending it and what we're doing. And we'll continue to update that along the way as we do this work together. Um, one of the best ways that you can help is that um, today, as we come to communion, we're gonna have baskets out. Um, all of that will go to Venezuela. The needs are so far beyond what I can fathom. But I believe in the things that God's called us to do together. And, uh, and I wanna encourage you just to say it's one of the greatest joys that we have to get to do that. My hope for you and me is that um, your, your job may be even harder than mine. There are days when mine are, is hard, and I just want to, there's something about knowing that the work that you're doing is enabling you the opportunity to share with other people in great need that makes your job feel like it's worth it, right? Anybody else need that a little bit at your job where you're like, am I just working and spinning my wheels, or am I working to produce some wages that I get to do some good in the world with? And I believe that the opportunity to do these things together will ultimately be one of our greatest joys in life. One day I hope Alexandria is here and she can hug you too because it's a pretty great hug from a sister who says, they would have amputated my leg if your church didn't care for me. And if you um, don't get that experience, I'll do my best to communicate to you what I think it means. The other thing that's so helpful as we plan into 2020 and beyond is to have Ecclesians who say, this is my church, this is a part of what I do, I'm gonna automate my giving so that the church can plan for what we're gonna do. And that enables us when we know, hey, this is how our giving's gonna roll in over the next year. It enables us to plan with our partners in Latin America and say, hey, that other program that you wanna do to feed people, this other program to care for babies, hey, we, we wanna do that too. And so together, I want to just invite you to say, what is God leading us to do as we get to do this together? Can I pray for you and over our elements as we come to communion? And then I'll lead you in a confession. Lord God, we thank you for this bread. We believe that it's a tangible reminder for each of us that you left the safety and beauty and comfort of heaven to draw near to us in a difficult and challenging place. We thank you for this cup, for this wine and this juice that says to us that your love was so significant that you were willing to sacrifice the greatest sacrifice so that we could receive grace and forgiveness. And Lord, help us as well as we embrace this cup to be reminded that we are also made to sacrifice. Allow us these small and beautiful places that we get to sacrifice for the good of others and that we would find great joy in these opportunities. Lord God, we thank you for what it means to be a part of a church where all of these babies and kids can be welcome. They can be loved in this place. And at the same time, we're reminded that we wanna care for the pregnant moms in this room and the babies in this room and in the rooms just over here, but we also don't wanna forget the babies that we don't see every day. And Lord, may we also be with them and care for them. We pray all of this together and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.